everyone. I'm Jensine Bard, and welcome to Testimony, where truth is told, lives are changed, and hope is given. Revelation 12:11 tells us that we overcome by the blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony, a testimony of your story for His glory. He is a best-selling author, pastor, podcast host, and critical thought leader whose latest Amazon number one best-selling, The Christian Left, How Liberal Thought Has Hijacked the Church, has been flying off the shelves, and rightly so. His writings and commentaries have been featured on The Blaze, Faithwire, Fox News, and CBN, just to name a few. And just recently, at this year's National Religious Broadcasters Convention 2021 held at the beautiful Gaylord in Grapevine, and yes, that is Texas, where media from around the globe gathered in support, information, education, inspiration, and more, including yours truly and including our next guest. So let's get right to it. Ladies and gentlemen, would you please welcome author of Good God, the one we want to believe in but are afraid to embrace, podcast host of the Lucas Miles Show, co-host of the Church Boys Podcast, and now with his latest number one Amazon best-selling, The Christian Left, which we will talk about today, Pastor and influencer Lucas Miles. Pastor Miles, Lucas, if I may, welcome to Testimony. Hey, thanks for having me on. Well, it's great to have you. I want to start off with an endorsement that pretty much summarizes your book, and I quote from former Governor Mike Huckabee, quote, While many have bravely addressed the disaster Marxism creates within the state, Few have applied that same level of courage in calling out socialist dispositions dwelling in the pulpit. As a former pastor and conservative politician, I can attest that our nation's churches need a voice like Pastor Lucas Miles to help cut through the sophistry of our clergy who have exchanged the gospel for an ideology that runs contrary to Christ. The Christian left deftly captures the unique and subversive threat that Marxist thought poses to Christianity as well as to our great republic. Every Christian in America needs to read this book. End quote. Quite the endorsement and indictment, Pastor Lucas Miles, but before we get into your latest great read, would you just briefly share with our listeners how you came to faith in Jesus Christ and why? Absolutely. Um, You know, first off, thanks for that. Uh, My faith journey, I actually in the past used to be, uh, I always used to feel like, I, you know, I wish I had this, this giant testimony like you hear, you know, some people have. And as I've gotten older, I've really grown so appreciative that I grew up in a Christian home. And I have great Christian parents that, um, you know, took me to church at a young age. And I really sort of had this, uh, what I call this, this uh, Samuel-like experience where as a young kid, I spent a lot of time within the four walls of the church. I was down the street from our house. I used to go down there and play basketball in the gym and visit with the pastors. And 
I, I broke into the church so many times to play basketball that they eventually just gave me a key <laughs> at 13 years old. And I, uh, I, I just grew up with a real love for, for the Lord and for the word. Um, I did have sort of that, that, uh, uh, that moment where I think my faith really became my own, probably, you know, three specific encounters. The, the first I was, I think I got baptized around 12 years old and the, the reality of heaven and hell and all of those things really started to make sense in my, you know, adolescent mind. Um, uh, when I was about 15 or 16 is when I felt like the Lord gave me a call into ministry. And then when I was in my early 20s, I had sort of a transformative moment where I, I really felt like the Lord began to cut away some of the legalistic thinking uh, that I had maybe picked up along the way and and really started showing me what this gospel of grace is all about. So all of those things have kind of combined to, you know, bring me to where I'm at today. And now it's been, you know, uh, 20 some years later, I'll be 42 this year and uh, 17 years pastor at the same church. Well, congratulations. And what church is that for our listeners? Yeah, so our church is called Influence Church. There's no I, it's N-F-L-U-E-N-C-E, and we're based in uh, just outside of Southland, Indiana. Um, so we have a, a congregation there and um, growing and on the move, and that's kind of my home base. And then I'm on the road quite a bit uh, between books and media and podcasts and these things, uh, getting the message out. Amen and amen. Ladies and gentlemen, again, you're listening to Pastor Lucas Miles, his must-read, The Christian Left. So, Lucas, let's get right into it. Talk about the, quote, verbiage, the, quote, Christian Left uses to promote their ideology inside and out the four walls of the church and what the readers will learn from the Christian Left and what they will perhaps unlearn. Yeah, so I'll start by maybe defining kind of what, what I mean when I say the Christian left. And, and so the Christian left, in my mind, is this growing constituency of left-leaning Christians, and at times Christians in name only, who have sort of elevated um, liberal philosophy, uh, progressive ideology, and at times Marxist theory uh, in, their, in their faith. And this has taken on kind of a... Um, a strong allegiance to things like critical race theory, uh, various leftist doctrines, socialism, um, social justice gospel. And, and so it's what the New York Times calls this ascendant liberal Christianity that's on the rise in their churches and their pulpits. It's, it's really uh, very pervasive right now, especially in America, and I'm sure, I'm sure in other parts of the Western world. Um, I, I felt like I wanted to get this book out to really tackle this issue to help people understand what it was that the left was presenting and to, uh, you know, ideally guide people back to a biblical orthodoxy, you know, in, in the midst of that, so they don't fall prey to some of these heretical ideas. Amen and amen. Now, talk about what you term as the, quote, Christian cabal, its roots, influence, and infiltration. You name names. Can you explain? <laughs> yes. Yeah, so... You know, I actually wrote this book. I, I finished everything. I, I, I finished it during the 2020 uh, shutdown, and I've, I've been working on it for about two years. Um, a lot of research went out. We have over 400 footnotes in this book. Um, yeah. And as I finished the book, and I turned it in to my, my publisher as well as a few really trusted people in my life. Um, I had several people come back with the exact same response. And they said, Lucas, this is the book America needs right now in the church, um, but there's a chapter missing. And we feel like that you have to tell us physically who the Christian left is. 
And, you know, I'm a nice guy. I, I wanted to <laughs> right. deal with this theologically. I didn't want to name names. And as I, as I began to pray about this and really seek the Lord on it, talk to, you know, some really trusted people within the, the greater industry of Christian, you know, media and publishing and these things, I, I just really felt like that the Lord was giving me a mandate on my life to, uh, to expose some of what's happening that I think a lot of the everyday churchgoers are uh, exempt from seeing because they're not as plugged in into these, these realms. And so there are, you know, and I name a lot of names in this book, and they're not just, you know, for the sake of naming names. I want people to see how this is really, this isn't just uh, maybe some far left, you know, liturgical church that with a, with a female LGBT pastor that, that, that you know, people, when they, they think of the Christian left, I think that's where a lot of people go. The Christian, the leftism of, of Christianity, if you will, or this leftism that's affected Christianity would be a better way to say that, has affected so many of our once formerly trusted church leaders and, and denominational heads and uh, Christian publishers. And, you know, this is, this is, uh, um, it's systemic in some ways in how far reaching it has affected people. And there's a lot of reasons for that, but I wanted to, to make sure and expose that in a way that didn't leave questions about what it was that I was speaking about. Ladies and gentlemen, again, you're listening to Pastor Lucas Miles, his latest must read, The Christian Left. So Lucas, is there one name that most would know that you can cite an example of? That, that's fallen into this doctrine. Um, I, I think that there are, you know, certainly some figures on more of the the extreme side of this. You know, Jim Wallace from Sojourners and and Jonathan Merritt, who's a, a very popular faith journalist. Um, but I, I think that we're seeing, you know, even people like Beth Moore, who, um, you know, though I don't think she's a Marxist, she has uh, seemed to embrace a lot of left leaning policies and and uh norms uh she was criticized for which I, I i show this in the book she was criticized for removing a lot of content uh from her books about uh you know sexuality and gender and referring to any of those uh maybe distortions as being sinful and so you know these are these are beloved figures within christianity they've done a lot of work in the past for the church and we're seeing a shift in people's thinking where I think that it's a reactionary response for whatever reason. They, they don't want to be associated with fundamentalism, whether it's because of past hurts or pain. Uh, but they're, they're almost pushing away from fundamentalism so far that they're flipping over into, into a ditch on the other side, uh, which is this ditch of progressivism. And they're skipping right over Christian orthodoxy in order to do so. And so it's a really sad thing when you look at it. But I, I believe that there's hope for the church. I'm a very optimistic person about the future of the church. And I'm actually praying for a lot of these individuals because right. I, uh, I believe that there's some good people there that, that are caught up in some wrong ideas. Ladies and gentlemen, again, Lucas Miles, great answer, uh, Pastor Miles, and sadly needed. Uh, which leads me to my next question. In your research and writing of your latest, The Christian Left, what shocked you the most as a pastor for 20 plus years and the least your thoughts so the the story that comes to mind that shocked me the most is um a story i write about i believe it's in a chapter called called vain imagination and uh, in that chapter i trace a lot of the the christian leaders that are embracing things like pro-choice doctrine 
um, you know, a lot of different, uh, you know, views of sexuality and, and gender outside of kind of biblical uh, traditional views of male and female. And there's a story that happened in Bethesda, Pennsylvania, where a group of ecumenical pastors gathered outside of an abortion clinic. And as I'm reading this story, you know, it, it, you just expect it to be what you think it's going to be, which is the pastors are gathered there to pray, and they're praying for the unborn, and they're praying for the moms, and they're praying for the workers to have a change of heart. And you start hearing their statements, and the pastors were gathered there to pray, but gathered there to specifically pray for the abortionists, the doctors, as they, quote, did the will of God. And it was so shocking to kind of uncover stories like this, where, you know, it's not just Christians not, you know, uh, standing up for pro-life values, but they're going the other way. And again, I, I, I use the term Christian to describe what they're calling themselves, not necessarily how I feel about them, is that they are going so far as to now they are endorsing and supporting something like the killing of the unborn. And this is something that we've never seen in church history before at this level. Uh, it's shocking. And so, of course, there's a lot of other things to expect, um, you know, as you go through that and, and, and some of the more, uh, um, you know, ways in which maybe uh, leftist politics has worked its way into the church. Uh, but, but there's a lot of shocking accounts like that and sometimes from people that you would never expect to actually support those positions. Exactly. Our colleges and universities are riddled with professors who model Marxist ideology, anti-Semitism, the list goes on. One might well enter identifying as a born-again Christian and exit identifying as an atheist or a, quote, non. That said, Lucas Miles, how will your book, The Christian Left, reach that one struggling with his identity in Jesus Christ? You know, I really believe that every false doctrine or you could say heresy that man falls into either happens because we misread the scriptures or, or misinterpret them or because we just discount them completely. And the thing that, that I found across really the Christian left in general, and I would also apply this to kind of you know, wokeism within Christianity and, and critical theory, uh, you know, those that embrace these, these notions, was the one thing they all had in common, although there was a spectrum of beliefs across some of them, but one thing they all shared in common was a downgraded view of the Bible. And, and essentially, you know, it's, it, there's a few forums study that said that 24% of the church, of church-going Christians, is all that's left of Christians who believe that the Bible is the infallible, authoritative Word of God. And I really believe that if for somebody going into, you know, college today from high school, like if they are not going in there with a really solidified view about Scripture, about the Word, about its authority, about its fact that it's God-breathed and useful for teaching, correcting, training unto righteousness, then it's going to be very difficult because the system is geared to deconstruct belief. It's geared to deconstruct faith. Uh, for example, I, I was a religious studies major at a secular university. I took a class hmm. on Judaism, and I mentioned, I did a paper on the faith of, um, of basically the Hebrew people as seen in the book of Genesis. And I, I believe I either got a C, I might even have failed that paper, as I remember, it's been a few years. And the professor chastised me in front of the entire class that faith was not a Jewish theme. 
And it was ridiculous of me to write a paper about the faith of the people of Israel. And now anybody that's read the Old Testament realizes that faith is a core component. <laughs> exactly. This, this academic you know, thought is designed to deconstruct these things, to push people away from any notion of faith or belief you know, within a Judeo-Christian framework. And so it's a difficult time to be, to be an incoming freshman at a university, uh, but it's even more reason to, for parents to prep their kids, to get a hold of a book like this, The Christian Left, get it in their hands and really help empower them you know, to be able not just not just to make it, but to really stand strong in the face of what's coming at us today. Amen and amen. Ladies and gentlemen, again, you're listening to Pastor Lucas Miles, podcast host, so much more, his latest must-read, The Christian Left. You just talked about this in part. Question. Talk about the seeker-sensitive church as well as heroes of the faith in Hebrews, namely those martyred in the book, who lived their lives, never seen the promise. That said, talk about the divide between the two and how, in your view, we get back to the gospel that Jesus died to give us. You know, uh, I, I think that the rise of the secret sensitive movement, although it did a great job in the 80s and 90s of making converts and bringing people to a point of salvation, it did a poor job in making disciples. And I think that in some ways the Christian left today, um, the susceptibility that the church has had for leftist ideas like this is really because of poor discipleship and a general biblical illiteracy that has risen within Christianity. And so if we're to really, you know, return to any sort of faith as found in, in Scripture or faith as seen you know, in the, the, the first century church, uh, I think that we have to really come back to what I call, you know, embracing grace and truth. The Bible says that, that the law was given by Moses, but grace and truth came by Jesus Christ. If we're to, you know, I think look like Christ today, if we're to, you know, carry out the mission of the church in today's world, we need both grace and truth. If you only embrace grace and you reject truth, you'll end up in some sort of permissive, you know, progressive viewpoint, um, you know, just floating out into this, uh, this dark divergent waters of, of progressivism. If you only embrace truth and you don't embrace grace, you know, or mercy, we have a tendency to become bigoted or, or pharisaical in our, in our approach. The gospel is both grace and truth. And so we embrace both of these things in order to define and I think embody in, in, the, in the best way that we can this love that's presented to us by Jesus Christ. Amen and amen. Lucas Miles, his latest must read, The Christian Left. Lucas, I'm reminded of that scripture that God calls us to, quote, speak the truth in love, but he didn't call us to avoid the sin issue. Next question. Talk about how Jesus handled the, quote, Pharisee in contrast to the, quote, sinner, and how we as believers are called uh, to do the same, the woman at the well analogy in your book comes to mind. Yeah, so, you know, we see Jesus relate to both the, the Pharisee as well as the sinner. And the Pharisee is a position of, you know, judgment, of, of bigotry, of, you know, they're, they're the fundamentalists in the equation. There's self-righteousness in there. And to, to the person in that position, Jesus actually masterfully uses the law of Moses and reveals it kind of to its fullest extent to show them that they, too, are in need of a Savior. 
that they don't have, you know, as, as although they might think they're better than the next guy, there's still a um, depravity in their life that can only be bridged, you know, through through a savior. Um, the person, the sinner, you know, there's somebody that they're crying out for a savior. They need an awareness, you know, of Christ to be able to reach out to them. The interesting thing today is that we have a third category. And that is those that have basically approved of sin um, and, and essentially tried to pass it as righteousness. And, and this is a unique thing. And so in many ways, it's requiring a, a similar approach to what Jesus did with the Pharisees of really using the law to expose the self-righteousness that is really, uh, I think, driving a lot of those within the progressive movement. It's really a works-based theology that the Christian has, or the Christian left has. And I think this is something that, as believers who understand the gospel of grace, that we should reject entirely. Amen and amen, ladies and gentlemen, Lucas Miles. I'm reminded of this scripture, and I quote from 2 Timothy 3.5, New International Version, quote, having a form of godliness, but denying its power from such turn away. And then to further clarify from the Living Translation, quote, they will act religious, but they will reject the power that could make them godly. And that stood out to me, Lucas, that power that has the ability to transform a one, to transform their mind, so that it's just, it's not a Christianity that's head knowledge only, but it actually goes to the heart and soul of the person. So question, is this the crux of where most megachurches and pastors are today? Your thoughts? So I think we have, we have two things going on. We have, um, we have some churches that they just don't want to be in the conversation. They're, they're afraid to talk about anything that, that leans political in nature because they're afraid of losing their 501c3 status. They're afraid of um, uh, losing part of their congregation. Uh, you know, when uh, during the 2016 election, when we stood up for conservative values, we didn't endorse a, a candidate per se, but we endorsed values that Christians should be standing upon. I lost about 40 percent of my church that year. And, you know, I'm in a red state, but it's a blue county. And we stood up for these things. We had a lot of people leave. Um, I would do it over again because it was worth it. And, and I believe in the things that we stood up for because I believe that they're biblical. Um, there's another group that they have fully kind of embraced this ideology. You know, they are uh, part of the Christian left or identifying in that way. And so uh, I, I think that, you know, um, this last year during, during COVID shutdown and everything else, I think it exposed a lot of things in the church and it started revealing kind of who is still standing on the word, who believed in the power of God, who, who believed in the mission of the church, and those who are kind of willing to, you know, forsake the assembly, to, to set that aside or to, you know, make excuses for it. And so, you know, I'm optimistic because I think that, you know, there is a new urgency within Bible-believing Christians today. They're seeing the attack against the gospel, the attack against orthodoxy, and I really believe that they're rising up, not in protest, but they're rising up on a mission of love to take this gospel to the world even more so than they ever have before. Amen and amen. Ladies and gentlemen, Lucas Miles, his latest must-read, The Christian Left. Last question in our remaining time here today. Talk about the, quote, right and the, quote, left, and the balance your view between the two. And is this the overarching goal of your book, Lucas Miles? You know, it's funny. I I did an interview uh, with a Christian 
station here recently, and uh, on air, the host was asking me some questions about, you know, uh, unity and peace and these different things between the left and the right. And then when we would go off air during the break, um, they were trying to convince me how the Christian left was a biblical viewpoint and how Christians can support critical race theory and Christians can support, you know, all these different, you know, kind of progressive ideologies. And and, and it, was, it was very telling, you know, and I wasn't expecting that. I was kind of shocked by that yeah. the situation. But here's the reality. The, the, the Democrats and Republicans can find unity. Um, Christian Democrats and Christian Republicans can find unity over policies and how to govern this country. There's a such thing as a pro-life Democrat. There's a such thing as a Jesus-following Democrat. You know, we may not see those people being as loud as they used to be, uh, or they might not be as easy to find today, but they're out there. This isn't My book is not about Republicans and Democrats. My book is about whether or not we believe the gospel or not, whether or not we believe in Scripture as, as you know, the source of, of truth. And so um, there is no—the Bible tells us that, that, you know, basically what unity can light have with darkness. And by that specifically what I'm meaning is that, you know, I can't unify over a false belief. If somebody has a notion that we need to, you know, uh, um, you know the church should be, you know, more— uh, um, uh, uh, compassionate towards a pro-choice perspective, I can't unify over that. It's not something that we can have Christian unity over because it, it, it deviates from the truth of the gospel. And so we can find unity over what I would call secondary and tertiary beliefs. But when it comes down to the main components is Jesus, Lord, the power of God, the virgin birth, the authority of scripture, uh, the Trinity, uh, you know, these sorts of things, we cannot we cannot compromise on these things and still call what we are promoting Christianity. And so I think that Christians have to learn how to find unity over smaller issues uh, that divide us and stand strong on the non-negotiables uh, that are really being introduced into the church in a massive way right now. Ladies and gentlemen, you have been listening to conservative pastor, author, thought leader, and host of Faith Wire's The Lucas Smile Show, and co-host of the Church Boys podcast, and more. Lucas Miles, his latest must-read, and Amazon number one best-selling, The Christian Left, How Liberal Thought Has Hijacked the Church. You can learn more about Pastor Miles' work, ministry, and mission by visiting lucasmiles.org and get Get his book wherever books are sold, get informed, and then tell a friend who may be leaning left, on the fence, or just completely off track, in the pew in which they reside, either way, needing truth, uncompromised, and definitely not complicated. Lucas, thank you for taking the time to share just a little of your own faith journey and how you came to write what former governor and pastor Mike Huckabee touts as a must-read for every Christian in America. Your best-selling The Christian Left is a whisper and a warning and soon-to-be a roaring if heed is not taken and God's word exalted and Ichabod God has departed. Be on the doors of the church and in the hearts of its people. Your book, The Christian Left, is a clarion call and unapologetically so. We thank you and God bless you. Thank you. Testimony is a global broadcast made possible by the generous contributions of our valued partners at Jensen Bard Ministries and you, our listening audience. Together, we are reaching souls for Christ 
one testimony at a time. If you would like information on how you can support this broadcast with your tax-deductible gift, please visit us at jensinebard.com. That's one word, J-E-N-S-I-N-E-B-A-R-D.com. And join the conversation at our Facebook page, Testimony with Jensine Bard. Thank you for listening, and please join us again for Testimony. Testimony.